Hello, and welcome to Totem Talks Episode 8. I think that's The Last Jedi. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what our Episode 8 is. We can forget about that. Um, Regardless, hopefully you guys have been listening along to the first seven episodes. Uh, We're happy to have you. Uh, If you haven't, and this is your first episode, welcome. Uh, What we're doing is taking a bunch of popular artists and ranking them and comparing them to come up with the best... While also kind of educating you and ourselves. Yeah, and ourselves especially. On uh, on artists that we might not have listened to otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, please, if you haven't, go back and listen to our older episodes. Um, they're straight fire, yo. Yeah, oh, they're but, so uh, good. But they also help give you a really good uh, idea of the criteria and what yeah. we're ranking everybody and on. If, and all the way what back at episode one is, are the rules specifically laid out, like the first 20 minutes. Yes. We went over like individually the rules of the episodes and what we're doing. Exactly. So anyway, who are you, sir? Oh, yeah, by the way, we are <laughs> we're people. Uh so uh, I'm Pat. I'm the lead singer of a local Bucks County PA cover band called Low Totem. And I'm Nick, and I also do some singing and guitaring and pianoing for that band. And I'm Tyler. I am the zoologist for Low Totem. It's my job at gigs to identify any species of animals that can't immediately be identified and assess whether or not they will or will not be a threat. (laughs) And he is surprisingly more useful than you'd think. Yeah, way more useful than you'd (laughs) think. (laughs) Yeah, one would never expect usefulness out of Tyler, but wow. So... Anyway, uh, Nick, why don't you okay. tell us which three artists? I would love we're to. So, so this week on the episode, we're going to look at three artists. We're going to look at Free, Real Big Fish, and finish things up with James Taylor. So, very excited awesome. for this episode. Lots of lots of things to say. And I know you would. You had a lot of interesting background information about Free that you wanted to start out with, Patrick. Sure. Yeah, I'll say the little blurb. Uh, yeah. So, Free uh, was an English rock band. Uh, they were formed in 1968. They were active until 1973, uh, so uh, that's basically it. They disbanded in 73. Uh, Paul Rogers, who was the lead singer, uh, famously became the frontman of Bad Company. Right, and Simon Kirk, who was the drummer, was also yes. the drummer for Bad Company. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically it for like the background of the band. We went over three of their albums. That's mm-hmm. typically our standard. Uh, we went over the first album, the most popular album sales-wise, and then the last album they release. Right. So that turned out to be Tons of Sobs, Fire and Water, and then Heartbreaker. So yeah. I want to start out with Tons of Sobs because I have I have literally one negative thing to say about this album. Sure. Just one. And it's so the first track and the last track are called Over the Green Hills Part One and Part Two. Right. And they were so good. But so short, and I wanted longer songs out of them. Like, the only yeah. negative thing I have about this album is that I love the first and last track so much, but they're only 49 seconds and a minute 58, respectively, mm-hmm. and I would have wanted a four-minute song out of them. I mean... I, other- <laughs> I get where you're coming yeah. from. Otherwise, so, I loved every track, really. Yeah, I uh, I listened to this album uh, expecting less than I got, hmm. which is a good thing. And I just want to say the most impressive part of this album for me was that all of the members of the band were in between 16 and 19. Yeah, absolutely incredible. This. Absolutely so, incredible. None of them were 20 when this album came out. Yeah, and they played and, very well. Yeah. I mean, and in fact all of the albums for free we're doing are all basically done before they turned like 23, I think at the max. Yeah. I mean 68 to 73 right, is 5 so years, only, so mm-hmm. 24 
would be the oldest uh, Paul Rogers was, depending on when they broke up. Yeah, and I didn't even realize that until yeah. you know pretty much just now, and I'm so much more impressed because there's some really great musicianship on these albums. Yeah. Uh, I love the uh, piano parts. I'm sorry, Tyler. I was just going to say, just generally in this album, I think the piano is done really beautifully, too. Yeah. It's one of those things that you wouldn't necessarily think of at first when you hear this album, sure. but they're layered and beautiful. They definitely make you feel like if you had a band and you were trying to get out, given how successful they were at such a young age, <laughs> it would definitely make me feel a little self-conscious. Are you oh, telling yeah. us to quit? <laughs> uh, oh, you yeah. would not be the first person. I, yeah, to I know, right. Uh, the only By other the way, comment... By the way, check out oh, Smart idea, smart idea. One more comment on this album, because I don't want to you know, get long-winded about it, is this album sounds so much to me like if you told me that Cream wrote all these songs and then just asked Paul Rogers to do the vocals instead of Eric Clapton and Jack Bruce, I would have said, oh yeah, this is Cream playing all these songs. Sure. Hands down. So... Uh, a couple specific songs. I just I'll touch on a couple that I thought were interesting. Sure. Uh, Walk in my shadow, which I think is Ooh. arguably the most popular song on this album. Uh, it's a song that definitely got covered the most out of this album. Oh, that's good uh, to know. And it was a re- it's a really good classic rock song. Mm-hmm. Uh, my overall score for this song album was like, you know, nothing bad, nothing amazing. It's just a solid classic blues rock album, uh, made more impressive by the age. Because definitely. they definitely held together with much older bands yeah. in terms of the quality of the songs. Uh, I thought uh, The Hunter uh, and I'm a Mover were both really well put together as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I, and I actually like the tracks. Moonshine and Sweet Tooth had a little bit more of a creepy blues vibe to yeah. them, and I really liked a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't want to you know talk this album to death because we got a lot of stuff to cover with them. Yeah, um, I, the other thing that I will say is this album... Featured a lot less writing by Andy Fraser, hmm. who's the bassist, and also a lot less bass. And Fair. Andy Fraser and Paul Rogers are the two kind of uh, brains of free in terms of writing. So okay, and I'm, and I'm a lot less of him in this one. Gotcha. And I'm and I'm sorry. I don't know if it was if it was brought up before, but what what country did they come from? Uh, they are an English rock band. So that actually really surprises me because listening to them they have a very almost like deep south sound i, I hear that i can get that. yeah i got and that's mean. that's kind of where i i thought they were from listening yeah. to their albums they definitely do not have the same english rock sound that was going on with other english rock bands at the mm-hmm. time well i think it's like i said it's like very cream-esque like they did a yeah, lot right. like and they're obviously cream is also british because eric clapton and and ginger and yeah. uh, jack were all english but there was that niche for this this music in, in Britain, and I think these guys were pretty much doing it about as well as anybody. Yeah, so uh, let's jump into Fire and Water. Here's the song that you know. Uh, if you know <laughs> yeah. Free, you know the song All Right Now. If you've never heard of Free, you probably know the you song know the All song. Right you Now. You know the um, song. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a double-edged sword for them, because it... Fully put them on the map, but also is like one of the reasons they broke up because none of them really liked the song. Yeah, another Eric Clapton comparison. Yeah, seriously. Um, so my opinions on this album, mm-hmm. it's it's less original than the first album. It okay. felt like way more blueprint execution, uh, which kind of sucks because um, they're good. I mean, they yeah. have a lot of talent behind them, a lot of instrumental talent. Uh, the writing isn't bad per se, but, you know, and again, I'm trying to mm-hmm. keep in mind how young they were. Yep. I mean, you know, this came out in 70, I think. 
I believe yeah, you were 70 correct. 70 on my birthday in 1970. Oh, nice. I was negative, like, 30-something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, negative 20-something. But, uh, you know, it's interesting uh, that it's that it's that they're still so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is only two years, so we're talking, like, 21 to 18 range, and they're yep. releasing this album. Yeah, and I'll say this album, uh, there are tracks that felt more minimalist, maybe, than the first yeah. album. But they also took some chances, again more really good piano work layered in it's often subtle yeah. uh there's song mr big which kicks off side two of the album there's an extended bass solo that's actually really great and it took a lot of guts to decide to put that in the middle of a song yeah. when bass solos aren't usually well, a big thing and yeah, i think they I, killed it i was gonna say something like that like andy frazier is like a, a virtuoso on bass and he's 18 I mean, when he recorded that. yeah i mean i think it sounds he's the youngest member of awesome the band. and I, he's really really talented definitely so it, it really <laughs> The whole free story just kind of sucks because they were really good. I would be mm-hmm. excited to see what they were continuing to produce, but they were just so at each other's throats the whole time, especially Rogers and Frazier. Okay. Like, the two creative minds. Right, of course. And, uh, like, they just really, really... I don't know if they didn't like each other. I don't know if they just were constantly fighting over ideas, mm-hmm. but it just kind of sucks. Yeah, and it's then a shame. They also both kind of were having issues with uh, Paul Kossoff. Uh, who okay. was the uh, the guitarist? He was lead and rhythm guitar on it because he was addicted to quaaludes. Oh, interesting. Heavily. Okay, and well, that put a lot of strain on the band. That's not going to be the first time we talk about drug addiction today. Not at all. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's one of I mean, the main reasons that yeah. Free ended up breaking up. And that's actually, good to know. Uh, Paul Kossoff unfortunately passed away at twenty five. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's horrible. It's, so right before, right after they broke up, he was in Ooh. another band and then passed away. Okay, but uh, all right up? now. Is a song they hated. Um, it's also like the best version of that song is not the album version. True, and that's again not the first time we're going to say that yeah. today. Um, but I mean, I, I'll give them credit for the the single version of the, that, that that made it big. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Tyler, what were you going to yeah. say? Can't remember. You Perfect. guys, okay. had a whole we, lot to throw in there. Steam rolled right okay, over yeah, we yeah. did. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's just yeah, let's hit Heartbreaker. So Heartbreaker. Interesting things about Heartbreaker One. It's again, it's got different feels to it than the yeah. first two albums. It's not like a wild leap for them, but it is different. Uh, Wishing Well was probably their second biggest hit after All Right Now, and probably, it's a very yeah. good song. It's a wide I, margin, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is a wide margin, but I really like Wishing Well. Um, I would also say that this album later on, especially when you get to Common Mortal Man. Now I'm really hearing the sound that's going to happen with Bad Company. Like, I'm starting to, by the end of this album, say, like, oh, Bad Company right. is coming up, and yeah. I can hear that sound getting ready. Uh, I would say two tracks to think of besides Wishing Well. Traveling in Style was, like, a really kind of fun Southern rock-inspired yeah. type song that I could have heard the Allman Brothers doing. And uh, Muddy Water would be the other one that I would highly recommend from this album. Cool. So just highlighting... Uh... We had just talked about Andy Frazier and Paul Rogers' like visceral relationship. Uh, Andy Frazier had quit the band right before this album, so he's mm. not on this album at all. Uh, which you know sucks because uh, if we some of the albums we didn't cover had a lot more heavy Frazier, and he's a good writer and a yeah. good bassist. Uh, so just saying that, um, I had a couple different songs to talk about real quick, please. Uh, just because I don't want to do the same ones. Uh, yeah. Wishing well, I had the same thing. Um, I had really has that classic rock vibe and I liked the attempt at solid harmony. Uh, not all of them could sing, but sure. at least they tried. I love when you try harmony. 
It's Agreed. important to do. Yeah, I need a, I need harmony in there. Yeah, for Heartbreaker, the uh, title track, I had really nice use of the organ, and it's got that like feel of like one of those long form rock and roll songs. You know, like you know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah. Those rock and roll songs that are, you know, multiple minutes. <laughs> like they're not just like a three minute yeah. pop. I think that one's like six minutes. Yeah, and they had songs like that on every album. I think they executed they them well, generally. Some of them better than others. There was one on the first album, I think, that was kind of bad. But really? You didn't like, um, what was that song on the first album called? Going Down Slow. Oh, I loved that one. That was one of my favorites I on the album. I love that one because I know that's like the style you like. Yeah. I just felt like it. they ha- they were so much better at the up-tempo okay. that it really had like this dichotomy. Fair enough. Like, I like bands that can do both, and when they were that young, they couldn't do both. Okay. Much better later on. I respect it. Uh, the last one I had, I had Easy on My Soul. Uh, I was like, you know, it was just okay for me. That last one mm. was just okay for me. Um, I felt like it could have been better. <laughs> I can't It was good, but yeah. it could have been better, and it makes me really sad because I know that, like, maybe two or three albums more, and they would have really come into their own. Yeah. They were just starting to get it. Right. Which, I wouldn't have given any yeah. if I was grading these albums, I wouldn't have given any of their albums worse than like a B minus. I thought they were all solid. They were all good and enjoyable straight through. I mean there I'll, wasn't anything offensive. I'll say this as sure. the as the music novice in this trio. Um I could kind of take or leave them. They right. did not have a I mean I don't mean to to insult them in any kind of way. They sounded really good, and they fit their genre really well. And if I was in the mood to listen to, like, 60s rock, I would have no issue throwing them on a playlist. But I don't think I'm ever going to be humming or singing any of their songs. Mm -hmm. And that's not to take away from the fact, I mean, it's super impressive given their age, super impressive given the time and all the stuff that they did. Like, they're by no means forgettable i'd say yeah but just in in my opinion there's a lot of stuff like this that has been done by more popular bands really interestingly the one comparison i had to them in terms of a really young band who came on the scene kind of sounding like other bands and i really wish i could have seen more Mm -hmm. greta van fleet oh yeah okay like really killer lead vocals a really mm-hmm. distinct sound that you definitely compare to other famous bands. Sure, okay. And, you know, their albums may not quite live up to that hype. Yeah. In, okay, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. They're, they're, I like that. I like the, that. The only, the only real negative I would give them, which isn't really their fault, is just kind of the genre. I, I love rock and I love blues, but I, but I feel like blues rock is something that I can't do a whole lot of just because... Sure most if not all the tracks are kind of slow and depressing whereas when i want to throw on rock to listen to i want to be able to like nod my head air guitar stuff like that but like it's not it's not bad i don't mean i I don't dislike it like i dislike some other stuff okay well let's grade them yeah let's get into so cultural impact We'll say it right now, Free is basically going to be widely considered as a one-hit wonder. They're going yeah, to be considered right as a as a jumping off point for Paul yeah. Rogers, who would later really make his way with Bad Company. So and it's less than average. Paul Rogers toured and recorded with Queen. With Queen, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's also something. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, he was more famous from Bad Company, and that's why yeah. Queen hired him. 
Of course. Uh, but but yeah. Okay. It's worth noting. So I don't think their cultural impact is the lowest, but you also have to consider that it's not very high either. No. I mean, I definitely think it's below average. Yeah. Oh, it's um, definitely below average. But if we were talking about, say, for instance, Deep Blue Something was an artist that was a one-hit wonder that we talked before. They're definitely yeah. better than that. Oh, they're better performers than that. Well, sure. I think they're higher in cultural impact than that, I would say, because Deep Blue Something doesn't have that factor of like famous musicians who went on to do other things that might give the band yeah. a little bit more relevance, whereas Breakfast well, at Tiffany's and All Right Now be comparable. I would give them like a one and a half instead of a 1.2. Okay. Okay. I'm okay with that, honestly. Oh, I was even going to say 1.6, so I'm... Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to fight you because I really like this. Yeah, so I'm going to give them a 1.6. I think a 1. 6. 6 would be fine because, I mean, All yeah. Right Now is, you know, a really popular song. Yeah, I mean, for sure. All Right Now. That's yeah. it's there. It's, it's a great a one. Great song. In fact, it's a gas. Except they all hated it. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, we've been there before. So, Breath of Work. Uh, this is another one that uh, seems to me to be very average in terms of their overall album production. Yeah, I mean. So, what did they put back. out? About six albums? Yeah, and a lot of their albums, when you try to look at them now, mm-hmm. are like the deluxe versions. And the only reason why it looks like there's so many tracks yeah. is because a bunch of them are just yeah, they're original repeated. Were yeah, like seven yeah. songs. Yeah, blah, you're blah, talking blah, blah. like okay. each album was like seven songs, but now you've got like the live versions yeah. right. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's but, um, below. I mean, it's probably average. Six, six albums is about average. I would say maybe I'd be giving them points for the how young they were when they released them all and then maybe taking away a couple because there were like a decent amount of misses yeah so i think what it is is basically they're sitting on that six albums which we've repeatedly said is our average and you can knock points for saying that not many of their songs ever got very popular but you could give points for saying that most of their songs are really solid or very good tunes like you can enjoy all the albums straight through and that might just put us back at a five is kind of my thought process like you can they started a five for me, and then there's like that give and take between how much I like the songs and how not popular or how little they were able to get those songs to break through. I mean, and I kind of even that back out into I the still middle. Might be willing, I still might have to go a little tiny bit under just because like none of their albums even charted. Mm, you know, okay. For the most part. Or, or they charted, but they didn't hit any sales thresholds. Yeah, okay, you're right. They like, definitely didn't hit any. They never went... Fire even, and Water was number two yeah, in the Fire UK. Yeah, Fire and Water charted really yeah. high, but I mean, still didn't sell enough yeah. to hit a sales threshold. Right, they had three top ten albums in the UK, and that's that's about yeah, it. Yeah, so I know. mean, I would say probably like more like a 4-8. I could be talked down I know, to that. I, I mean, know, like average look, for six. But I'm okay with that, and you because know, you know, I feel like they're really going to make up for it in instrumental talent, because I, I think agree. that... They were definitely very good, yeah. solid players all the way around, and we know that Paul Rogers can sing. Yeah, um, I'm just shocked he sang that well at 19. Yeah, yeah, really impressive. I mean, that's it impressive. wasn't much different from what you would expect to hear on a Bad Company yeah, album I mean, in I've terms of to myself singing at 19, and I want to mm. plug my own ears. Yeah, no, I like, I, I, like there's yeah. just so <laughs> much. I mean, and I'm sure maybe he's the same way, but like mm-hmm. from an outsider's perspective, yeah. Like, Really strong vocals for being so young. Yeah. Um. So I'll just throw out there for instrumental talent. I think they're decently above average. Yeah. I was in like that seven and a half sweet spot was my first inclination, but I could be uh, talked slightly in either direction. Yeah, I think I I would be a little under that for them. I think that they're very talented, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think, with the exception of 
the vocals and possibly the bass, but I I mean and the piano. I mean the, the piano, piano work is really the well piano done. Piano is really well done, but I wouldn't say anything is like virtuoso level. Yeah, which is which uh, I think I mean I agree, which is I why I was for, like halfway between average if 10's virtuoso and 5 is average, I was like halfway in between. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just None of the guitar work really inspired me either. I mean, it okay. was, it was yeah. good. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. It was good, that. but it was also very, like, plain for the most part. Yeah. I would probably be putting them more in the seven range. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, like, kind of like what I was saying before, all of it is done really, really well. But, I mean, and this is just me, none of it, I, I didn't walk away with anything kind of stuck in my brain like it's i mean i know it's a little cliche but like you know i i can hear the opening to stairway to heaven in my head yeah because mm -hmm. you know that's so iconic there's other like riffs and stuff from songs that you just kind of like hum to yourself while you're going around and none of this really left any kind of impact okay. on me seven it is then i mean that's fine yeah. also which quick shout out andy frazier was also the one who did the piano as well as the bass on those that's records which so impressive. like throw throw him some, I'm like I said, some credit he there is very yeah. talented. Uh, better bassist than piano player but still yeah but still i mean no slouch no, no um right. songwriting talent again uh for the most part they were writing these songs there were some blues standards that they covered <laughs> but they were yeah, writing the, the majority part, of songs writing. on these albums uh, and i think they are good writers i think they're good writers too and i really appreciate their instrumentation i appreciate yeah. them coming up with things that are sort of like how we mentioned with weezer's chord progressions that were like just yeah. west of average uh, i think they come up with some riffs and some ideas that are just slightly askew from right the basics just so just i do give them a little bit of credit for that okay okay so i mean what number are you thinking let's Slightly above average. Okay, okay. Uh, but in the five, in the number five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I'm also thinking in the number five. Yeah. So I think definitely not in that talking about, like, good or above good. Like, mm -hmm. they're above average. Yeah, but not they're very away. solid. Yeah. And I'm, you're going to enjoy them. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, definitely, like, like, like a six minus one. Uh, Okay. Minus like a full one? So, so like a five or like a point one, like a, like a five nine? Yeah, like a, like a full... So you want a five? So you a want flat a five? five. Exactly. Okay. You, yeah. I think we're both a little bit. Let's take that average of like and make five, a five. Three. Okay. I was gonna say five two, five three. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say fifty three, but well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on fifty three yes. for them. Okay. Poetic talent. Again, like a lot of blues songs. Yeah. Just generally speaking, like there's the feeling is in the playing, and the feeling is in the soul of the right. vocals, and it's not about necessarily like saying anything profound with your lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, this is going to sound like I'm insulting them, but I'm not. They're they're serving the purpose that they are. Like you listen to the lyrics, and they're just kind of. And it, I wish I could articulate this better. I don't mean to to say generic, but they there there's nothing awe inspiring or inspirational about these words. Mm -hmm. But in the context of the song and the genre and the way that they're singing them, they work really really well. Yep. I, I think if you were to just take these lyrics and write them down and present them as poetry, you'd you'd be like, you're just uh, this is not. That is kind right. of the point of this. Yeah, sure. Which unfortunately, makes the yes. score lower. Uh, right. I get I exactly agree. where you're coming from, Tyler. Yeah. Again, it's not bad. Nothing is bad. No. I'm not listening to these words and going, oh. But it's, yeah. But but I do eh. think that if we're if we're comparing this, you know, like we said, we were comparing this to other bands mm -hmm. that we've done. I mean. 
average in terms of poetic talent from what we've done. Yeah, like it, I mean, is Steve Miller? Okay, and then um, definitely. Below. So are we feeling like four and a half? I don't want to give them way below. Uh, I don't because I don't feel like their lyrics have ever taken away from any song. Yeah, I wouldn't say four and a half. I'd probably say like four point five. <laughs> okay, I think that we're we're in an agreement then. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, and there's no X factor. I mean, I don't really think that having Paul Rogers necessitates no, an X factor. An X factor for that. Um, so I'm ready to just move on to the next band, yeah. which is Real Big Fish. Okay, good old Real Big Fish. Yeah, which is an American ska punk band from Orange County, California. Um, this is another one of these bands that started young. So their yes. first album that we're going to look at uh, recorded with a lot of these guys still in high school. Um, and, and it shows, and we'll talk more about that. Yeah, but they kind of had like a cult following. They're, they're such a 90s third wave ska feel. So when you oh, think yeah. of Real Big Fish... Uh, I immediately associate them with bands like Goldfinger, Sublime, and No Doubt. Yeah, that. that yeah. Um, I think they're they're pretty in they step with that, that kind of well. sound, um, which for me is a major positive. Uh, I know that that's not going to be so the way we feel all around. We know but that ska, Nick and I uh, and Tyler as well know that ska is not really my cup of tea overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't dislike ska. I really like a lot of the instrumentation, but yeah. Well, I don't like a genre that doesn't care about vocals. That's just so, my personal Fair enough. Opinion. And you know, that that really just brings us right into their first album, which is called Everything Sucks. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, well, so... <laughs> I mean, I think, again, I just, I'll just i say my piece. Yeah, say your piece, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend um, them once you're done. So, I just don't think they sound good vocally. I get they're young. Um, I really like some of the vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the best thing I had on here was in Join the Club. Yeah, that's that. it was a very a really good, one. good opening horn and a good laid back vibe. Yep. Uh, the first song, "I'm Cool." <laughs> the only thing I had was, "Well, they're definitely ska." Hey. Like that's it. Uh, uh, trendy. Uh, the first thing I picked up on was the La Bamba sample. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, in that, um, which was interesting, and I get it. It's a trendy mm-hmm. song. You're using trendy stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, the point. But for the most part, I really feel like. They sounded young. They were young, mm-hmm. but since we were just talking about another band that was in their teen years when they recorded their first album, I get it. The difference is shocking. Yeah, like they are so much less polished than Free. Yeah, and I, that's just super noticeable. To okay, me. so let me just be play the defender role here really quickly because, sure. like you said, the vocals aren't there, the quality is not there yet, and they're not mature. And those are the three biggest knocks right. I have on this album. But you cannot take away how good the horn arrangements are no, all the way a through lot of this. Potential, you're right. And there's there's so much potential with the horns and the guitars, especially. I hear so many great things happening musically, even when vocally it's very difficult to enjoy. Yeah. I can really enjoy the music, and that's my biggest defense of this album. And I think it gets way, way, way better from here. And I'm glad sure. that they re-record a lot of these tracks on their upcoming albums. I I will say. That for the longest time, I thought that I hated Ska, yeah. but I also had absolutely no idea what Ska was. <laughs> um, I really had fun with this. Yeah. I'm so glad that you yeah. did. I'm glad I'm not the only person who enjoys this yeah, music. I, oh, I enjoy yeah. it. I, I just don't, don't like the vocals. Fair enough. I, I, I don't have an issue with poor vocals when 
that is sort of so it's like you say poor vocals i would attribute this more to talking in rhythm hmm. than i would to even like singing i mean to a certain degree it's got I mean, there's definitely it's yelling parts of the songs where they try to use melody that it really lacks i mean but i get exactly where you're coming from with it but it didn't it didn't hit that for me um there's a cup there's a handful of musical acts that i actually kind of unapologetically enjoy mm-hmm. despite you know their vocals not being great the only sure. time that vocals really bother me is when it's clear that the artist thinks that they have good vocals and goes out right. to try to sing a very vocal heavy type song and it's not there for them i mean i am not in any way embarrassed to admit that i own not just you know borrow through apple music i literally have purchased on cd a number of william shatner albums <laughs> and i enjoy them completely unironically uh, fair enough i i mean <laughs> some of the tracks uh, nine yeah, yeah well, right some of the t- some of the tracks are just kind of like you listen to it because this is stupid but some of them are just like i i could get i, I could enjoy this okay so i listening to ska i I had no issues whatsoever with their vocals, okay. and I think the, the fact that there's so much going on, I I think I would describe like ska as almost like a like a a, a musical version of a funhouse. Yeah, really, it's, very, it's so because, much fun. Yeah, yeah it just it, it just stimulates your your senses when you listen to it. There's so much happening, and there's so much you could pick up on, and there's mm-hmm. so much you can like. It. I I completely get where yeah. you're coming from. Let's move on to yeah. the second, second album. album. I agree. Uh, and under and just know that my opinion does get stronger. Yeah. After this album. Yeah. Um. This album I still feel is vocally weak. Okay. It's um, so much better though. It's so much better. And yeah, they did re-record. Uh, if you look at the track listings, you'll see mm-hmm. a lot of the same songs. They re-recorded a bunch of them, and they did a better job with all of every them. single one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I still feel like the vocals were weak. Um, the instrumentation was even better. Yes, and I think that in terms of ska bands, they are very strong instrumentally and clean. Like and the sound have, yeah, is they have much really cleaner clean now. Horns. Yeah, really yeah. Nothing, nothing sounds like overmodulated or muffled, right. which right. is which is something that for me I really dislike in mm-hmm. in certain songs, totally. especially like from the '90s and early 2000s. There was a lot of like muffled guitars and stuff like that, yeah. and I just didn't care. for No, it. this didn't have and have that specifically with ska in general. One of the reasons that I don't listen to a lot of ska is I feel like a lot of it, if you're not listening in like the best conditions, can just sound really muffled and jumbled and loud Mm -hmm. and i didn't get this i listened to this album both in my car on my car stereo and just through my cell phone and i could hear clear instruments in both yeah which doesn't always happen with scott and i just have i just have one small little criticism to give real big fish just as like a Mm -hmm. general thing that i think that they definitely kind of failed on but then again i wasn't growing up with this genre or, or anything their album covers are some of the worst album covers <laughs> I ever seen. They look like they were last minute slapped together by somebody who just kind of understood Photoshop or maybe yeah. like it was their first time using MS Paint. Okay. Like they if I saw their albums 
in a music store, I wouldn't even consider it. But they have you looked... ever seen any image that was more 1990s? Oh, well, than the yeah, cover I, of this oh yeah. I mean, it's so 90s, but it's yeah. also I've never so seen like an, al- an album cover that was more 1990s than the last album cover, which came out in 2018. Yeah, like, that's true. And it's... I actually really liked the last album cover. Oh yeah, we'll but... talk about it. But like, uh, but like a lot of them, it just it really they look like amateur albums. Like mm-hmm. they don't look like the these were like just looking at the covers. Okay, I know you're not yeah. supposed to judge by the cover, no. but like looking right. at the cover, I'd be like, oh, somebody slipped yeah. in their own amateur album okay. on Fair. here. <laughs> it's All just right. well, not. Anyway, to, back to the album. Their two biggest hits that they wrote are on this album: "Sell Out" and "Beer," which are both yeah. very good songs. I, I mean, I really like them. Like Pat already mentioned, tons of re-records. Every re-record beer is, is re-record. yeah, beer is a re-record as well. Every re-record is just colossally better than it was on the yes. first album. For me, this album as a whole, there are one or two weak points. It's it's a solid B plus A minus album for me. Like I, I really understand. really like it. It's this if is I'm my rating my on jam. my ska scale. I would agree with you. I mean, okay. my ska scale is lower, and I'm I'm really trying to not let the fact that I don't love ska bleed into okay. my rankings and kind of judge objectively. Uh, but I think the best bet would be to move into the last album. Which is a straight A for me. Straight. So, I love this album. Uh, like I had told Nick before the podcast, somewhere between this album, which came out in 2018, and the last album, which came out in 1996, Turn the Radio Off, somebody introduced the band to autotune. It's not It's obvious, not noticeable. Though. It's not like the, the early T-Pain level of autotune, but it's pitch correction in a way that all of a sudden... The vocals sound so much better. Yes. And I'll say this too. This album, considerable improvement in harmonies and backing yes. vocals everywhere. Really well done harmonies and backing vocals throughout. And, yeah. And I think what it what this shows me is that the thing holding them back from experimenting with vocals was lack of vocal talent. Mm-hmm. And once there was a computer program that could fix that, they were able to be a lot better. Yeah. Uh, as a singer, I don't have any problem with autotune. Mm-hmm. Um as long as you know, you're it's done well, and yeah. as long as you're not Auto-tune. hiding behind it, which yeah. I don't necessarily think this, you know, ska punk band from the '90s and 2000s is hiding behind their auto tune. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. auto tune for me is like CGI in movies. If it's yeah, it used happens. sparingly, sure. mm-hmm. it can really enhance. Right, but it's if just, it's cleaned say, up, but if yeah, but if I it's but if it's like your your the, the thing you chance. rely on, it is not. On the off yeah. chance that Real Big Fish listens to this episode, if you aren't using autotune, I apologize and congratulations on becoming much better vocalists. Please let us yeah. know. I mean, there was considerable <laughs> there was considerable improvement between album one and album two yeah. as well. And now we're going another 20 some years yeah, into I'm the future. I'm just saying, so. it sounds to me, uh, I mean, I've listened to a lot of autotune, like specifically in the, the runs, like the moving vocals, mm-hmm. when you hit them all super perfectly and there's no slide, it's typically a giveaway that there's auto-tune, okay. which is why I think it is, yeah. and because there's so much improvement. Yeah. But if there's none and you just got that much better, one, congratulations, two, don't think I'm trying to knock you, reach out, Not I will all. publish a correction. Yeah, and <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to really quickly make a few comments on this album. Life yeah, Sucks, absolutely. Let's Dance is what it's called, and that title track is killer, like you can't the best hear it and with. not just get up and dance around like it's crazy. The best song I came loved out it by far. I also, re- I mean, I, I would say that I either really liked or loved every single one of the songs on this album. GD yeah. Beautiful Day was another one that was one of my absolute favorites from this album. Yeah. And if you want something that's slightly different, 
uh, the tr- album ends on an instrumental track called Walter's High Life, which mm-hmm. is very well done. Very so well done. For me, uh, my notes that I had uh, pissed off. I was like, yeah, what a fight song. Like, let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another beer song, uh, which was the one I was talking to you about. Yeah. Really good upbeat song. Uh, really well done. Uh, every song on this gets a, like a, a thumbs up for me. Uh, I Should Know By Now is the track where I went auto-tune, but it really helps the song, and it was a really tight mm. instrumental, and it was it was really well done. They used it in a way that it just really complemented the song. Like, And again, I just want to reiterate, using auto-tune to make your vocals in a ska song sounds better is a lot different than if Real Big Fish came out with like an album of ballads using auto-tune. Yeah. Then I would be pissed about it. Sure. <laughs> like, no, this you are sticking and, with your genre, doing it really, really well, and accentuating it with your instrument well. And I would argue that most people would never even notice these slight no. corrections are even being it's done. It doesn't sound as, unnatural. It's the same exact thing as when you use your chorus pedal at gigs. Yeah, you're right. augmenting your instrument for better mm-hmm. sound. Right. Do you have anything else to add to this album, Tyler, or should we get into grades? No, I think they recorded enough songs for it. I wouldn't try to add any of my own tracks. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Of course. Uh, cultural impact again. This is another one that's low, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, low, unfortunately, really, because especially with the second two albums that we listened to, I mean, I really do think that they had a lot to offer in terms of yeah. talent. I mean, I would personally, let me just put it to you this way. I'm going to be very honest. I don't want to delve too much into their cultural okay. impact because I would feel bad ranking them higher than free. Yeah, free no. had a huge hit. I agree. I agree. It's uh, got to be, be slightly lower like than the free. I'm range. right there with you, honestly, because they're very low key. Like during the '90s, if you were around and if you were in high school in the '90s, I guarantee you've listened to the song "Beer" and went to oh, like yeah, parties sure. and you know stuff like that. But I mean, in terms but, of songs that are still played today, yes, not many. Also, their cover free, of "Take on Me" was one of their biggest hits, yes, too, which is very good. And check it out. Um, oh, speaking of speaking of covers, um, I. I checked out some of their other songs, and I I did like the fact that they did um, "Brown Eyed Girl." Interesting, oh, really. I didn't hear that version to I'm one excited. of our earlier episodes. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to yeah. look that up after the show. We will definitely listen to that yeah. after the show. All right. Well, anyway, that just brings us right to breadth of work. So there are nine studio albums. Nine is a lot. Nine is is um, more than average. There is a marked improvement. Think uh, from the first album to the last album, which is important. Right. And I think that if we got into the ones in the middle, like I said, I thought that their second album was already a market I improvement. I just want to say, uh, th- this takes away a couple points for me. There was a chunk of time in the middle where they were releasing albums independent. They got uh, dropped by their label okay, okay. and released independent. Fair so. enough. I get that. I get that that hurts. Uh, as far as quality of songs go and how many they put out, though, I think it's above average. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love them. I I had so much fun with these three that you made me listen to. Right. I went mm-hmm. in and I started listening to some of their other ones, and at no point did I feel like one of their middle albums ever dropped off or no, changed. No, and I'm yeah. not saying talent-wise they dropped off. I also do think it's important to point out that the only original member of the band still is the lead vocalist. Yeah, and he's writing all the songs he's, at this point. Yeah, so, he, which clearly, when it comes to songwriting, is going to be a strength for him, because yeah, now that he's writing all the songs, to, they're I very I just wanted good. to make sure that uh, people were aware that from the first album to the last album, yeah. only Aaron Barrett, the lead singer, is okay. the consistent part. Fair enough. Everyone else um, is different. So, I could see why... So, my instinct is to say they've released more albums... More of the songs on these albums are very good than average, but uh-huh. they sold so poorly that that might drag them back down to average. So poorly. And yeah, I'd be willing to put them 
right at a five. Uh, and that's that makes perfect sense because, to me. Again, I get. I think personal yeah. quality wise is is better. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah. none of their albums sold well. Okay. None of their albums charted well. The last album zero charts. Yeah, at all. which is such a shame because it's, it's a so shame. good. It's a great album, yeah. but. So I'm just gonna go right to instrumental talent. These guys have got to be high. Yeah, and the these fact guys have got to be high. <laughs> they're yeah. really good. They're better yeah, than free. I thought free was really good in seven, and I think they're definitely better than a seven. I there mean, is I'm, so I'm under much. A seven five. Yeah, there is really? so I'm, much I'm going over on. Over a seven, here. I might be like a seven four, and I'm telling you, okay, it it has to do with you know specifically that vocal for the, for the most part okay cuz even when he was talking the songs cuz like Tyler had said a lot of it's rhythmic speaking in ska mm-hmm. he felt really muddy he got better as he got older very much so um and i definitely think that again i think all of the songs are tight but once i go over a 7.5 i that's typically when I'm like, oh, I'm looking up who this player is, and I want to know mm-hmm. more of their. Oh, wow. see, because I mean, I'm they're... I'm in like the eight neighborhood. Yeah, I thought def- they were really yeah, good. They're sitting in an eight. If I get me. over, yeah. I mean, that's fine. okay. So I think, much. Well, if you're, if you're feeling seven four, and, and the... we're both at yeah. eight, we can go like seven eight. I think kind of averages that's that. Fine. I think they really deserve it for the guitars and the horns. I sure. mean, there's so, so much happening in in their songs with instruments, and I understand. I just I want to be clear. Yeah, I understand. Me personally. More instruments doesn't mean higher score. Right, like, but I they're done wanna... well. They're all yeah, done very I well. But I mean, for instance, if they're doing 12 instruments well, mm-hmm. my personal opinion is they shouldn't rank higher than somebody doing one instrument really well. Okay, interesting. That's why okay. I try to temper my... Yeah, it's, t- you know, it's very difficult. Even though the difficult. horns did well and the guitar did well. Right. And, you know, I see what you're saying. Even though there's a bunch of stuff doing well, like I don't want to skew it against... Solo guitarists who are just—I really where I'm sympathize at. with that argument, uh, and we'll revisit that yeah, very shortly. I just want to—I just want to so, be clear on why I'm yeah being a little more. Harsh I got gotcha. you. So, for sort of the same reasons you just said, when it comes to like the amount of instruments and instrumentation, again, I'm going to say Real Big Fish is definitely above average at songwriting talent. Their instrumentation and the way that they put these songs together. I love it. I love the yeah, arrangements. I mean, I think they're I love the arrangements. arrangements. Again, I think they're again I, better than free. Okay, that's which fine. is. A sh- I mean, I really I, liked again, free a lot I too. I try to temper a little bit. I understand it's more difficult to write for more parts, specifically in terms of writing. Mm-hmm. So uh, they do get a little bit more than just a guy and a guitar would, as long as long as the songs are the same. And I think mm-hmm. these songs are decent. So I mean, I don't know what number you're going for. So I mean, we <sighs> gave free a five point three. So are you thinking? All the way up to a six. I was gonna say six. Yeah, I mean, I. All right. I mean, I'm I would personally be like fan. five eight. Okay. So let's see I what mean, Tyler says. We'll see what are we you average out at. Okay, with averaging out there in the middle, or I, I, I again, I'm gonna have to side with Nick here. I, I that's mm. fine. So that I mean, yeah. that would still average out to a five nine. That would still average out to a five nine. Is correct. But the, I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, they I think they really deserve credit. Yeah, I like think I us really want to. The middle there works. That's okay. Yeah, I want to give them credit where credit's please, due. Please, please understand that they have to score low on this one. Poetic talent is their weakest category. I mean, I think they're fantastic songwriters. They're, they're instrumentalists. Good upbeat, they're good upbeat songs. They they have good messages per se. Sometimes, yeah. In terms of partying and like having a good time. But that's it. The lyrics are not profound. The lyrics no. are below no. average. I would be honestly thinking around a three. I'm not going to argue with you. I think it's their weakest category, really, other than for cultural sure. impact. But and I, zero I, for X Factor, yeah. so we can move on. Yeah, while we're recording, I won't argue with you, but when <laughs> the mics are off, I, I will let loose. Okay. Please, no, do it here. Remember our yeah. own John episode? Nick and I almost came to blows. Yeah. 
I'm just kidding. We love each other. We, we would have just hugged, but that's true. That's very dangerous nowadays. Okay. Um, take Crazy. us away and tell us about okay. James Taylor. James Taylor's our last one. Uh, so he's an American singer songwriter, uh, five time Grammy winner, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, he's one of the best selling music artists of all time, over 100 million records. Uh, he has been active from 1966 all the way till today. Uh, what a guy. I mean, yeah, honestly, and I'll tell you what I told Nick, and I, I didn't tell Tyler, but Tyler will hear it now. Before this, I mean, I, like a lot of people, probably only knew four James Taylor songs. I knew Fire and Rain, You've Got a Friend, Carolina, uh, Carolina, My Mind, and then I can't uh, believe you're dropping, is, I can't believe like dropping this bombshell on me right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, those are like the James Taylor songs, and yeah. when you hear them, they all have a very similar vibe yeah so you don't expect a lot more out of him here's an interesting piece of trivia that you guys might not know in his first album Mm -hmm. james taylor the one that was put out in 1968 correct he has the exact same haircut that my father used to have (laughs) in the 60s well i was not gonna (laughs) guess that that was the piece of trivia you were going with i thought you were gonna say that that album was the first uh, American artist that Apple Records ever signed, Apple yes. Records being the Beatles record label. Yep. I thought you might have said that his first album is so clearly full of influence from Paul yeah. and George who are recording it with them. I thought you might have said that Paul McCartney plays bass on the original version of Carolina in my mind or that George does the backing vocals. I thought you might have said that his song <laughs> Something in the Way She Moves was the inspiration for George Harrison to write the song Something. Uh, there's... Yeah. A lot of really okay. interesting uh, stuff about this first album that he recorded with I was Paul just, McCartney I was and just George gonna, I Sorry, I was just focusing on facts that I thought our listeners would be more interested yeah, in. You're so, not wrong. <laughs> uh, let's move into the first album, which is James Taylor. Right. Again, we're talking about people who were very young when they first started. Yes. Uh, James Taylor was very young when this album came out. I think early 20s. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, what an album. It's really unexpected how good it was because again when i think of james taylor i think of like simple guy in a guitar four chords yeah that's just the vibe that he gives off mm-hmm. he's but so he much did more not have that i was so don't talk now is the opening track i had it was really simple and elegant uh something's wrong um Green sleeves. Yeah, I was going to say he introduces that with green sleeves. And uh, what a great horn. guitar arrangement of great green sleeves. Great guitar arrangement. I really liked the horn in it. Um, I do want to say I want to be very upfront about my knock on this album. Go ahead. I felt like the intros of every song, while thematically really interesting, I thought that they were so different from the songs themselves that they uh, kind of okay. jarred me a bit. I liked them mm-hmm. separately. Like okay. if they were two separate tracks each time, I liked the one minute, like really weird, kind of, that's the Beatles thing yeah. you're talking about. There's so much influence from the Beatles and the instrumentation. Yeah. Uh, and I really, things. really enjoyed both halves of it separately. So, But together okay. I thought they were kind of jarring. Yeah. So only complaint that I had with this album, and I don't know if it was how it was recorded originally or if it's the remaster that I have access to right now. Sure. But it for a lot of the songs, it sounds like the the levels just aren't exactly correct. Like That was a complaint. I, I, yeah. so I, I felt the same thing even on the remaster. It was on both. 
Okay. okay. Yeah, it just that so it was like that the problem hit- is he felt too far back. Okay. And you, they they didn't bring him up when they remastered. Well, it. well, 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 well. Actually, I had the opposite complaint, especially really? with the song. Yeah, like um, I just put on the song now to re re reaffirm sure. this to to myself. Yeah, you think he's too it, far up? Well, it it almost sounds like he's like too close to the microphone, and the the instruments are too quiet behind him. Interesting. Okay, so okay. I mean, I definitely didn't. I listened to the original. Uh, and when I looked it up, I saw that that was a running problem for both, is that it felt like they were drowning him out because his voice is so soft. Okay. But uh, which song specifically were you talking about? Oh, well, I was talking to, uh, talking about uh, Something's Wrong and okay. then um, Something in something the Way She Moves. moves. Okay. Which okay. was one of his bigger hits from this album. Yeah, it, sure. just, yes. it just, I mean, there's nothing it's wrong with it. He's got, he's got a very unique but good singing voice. And yes. the instrument, it just, it felt like it was kind of mixed a little odd okay uh while you're looking that stuff up i'm gonna just say a couple tracks that you would probably have never heard of that i would say listen to knocking around the zoo and night owl yes loved them both uh real quick so uh actually i wanted to talk about both of them oh i'm not surprised which is perfect uh knocking around the zoo was the first song uh in what i said was like when i had my negative about the song okay negative about the album I loved the classical intro and I loved yeah. the song, but mm-hmm. like such a really classical, relaxing intro into like what is a really good like bluesy rock song. Yep. Like sick yep. blues song. Like I was like, uh why? Okay. It really I get it. threw me off. Yeah, like, there's just I really like them both. There's too much great music not yes. to appreciate there, but I can see why yeah, that's like a hard Yeah. And he so, did that in mm-hmm. a lot of them. Again, like Sunshine, sunshine, uh, a lot of classical strings throughout it. Mm-hmm. And that's the first song that, and probably the only James Taylor song I listened to that felt dated. Okay. Because the strings are so throughout and those strings are so iconically 60s. Yeah. Uh, that it felt 60s. The rest of them felt pretty much timeless to me in a good way. Yeah. All right. Let's. Um, well, do, do you want to have one, for, one more thing? Oh, just for Night Owl. Before oh, okay. We yeah, talk. yeah. Night Owl, um, really, really great bluesy song. And the first time that I have this, my one negative James Taylor thought. Okay. I wish he had a grittier vocal in that song. Yeah. Such a good hard mm-hmm. blues song that, and then James Taylor has such a lilty voice. Yeah. And he does correct that later. But like yeah. in this one, I was like, oh no, yeah. just give me some more hurt to it. Like, come yep. on. I hear you. So in between that first album and his best-selling album, which is JT from 1977, there are a lot of other really solid albums with a lot of his biggest hits. And I did like just start listening to a bunch of them because I loved them so much. But uh, I just want you guys to know, like, please listen to Sweet Baby James. Please yeah. listen to One Man Dog, Mudslide Slim, and The Blue Horizon. Don't just stop at the albums that we listen to because there's so much more greatness to to yeah. listen to. Uh, yeah, that being said, right JT... Uh, this is a new and fresh sound that he's got between 68 oh, yeah. and 77. Uh, he starts right off with it with your smiling face. I think that's really great. He's got creative melodies going on in the next song. There we are. Bartender's Blues is like this great yeah. country-esque type song. Uh, so there's just great, great all the I through. just want to say, Nick, the song I was talking about mm-hmm. was There We Are. Okay. When I was talking about how. It's so interesting how he fit that melody line yeah. into the constantly yes. changing chords. Mm-hmm. Those chords do not fit together, but he tied them so effortlessly effortlessly together with yes. his melody line. Yes. Really interesting and really impressive. I agree. Uh, again, I really enjoyed every one of these songs. Every one. 
Uh, the only one <laughs> that I didn't absolutely love was uh, also one of the only songs he didn't write on this album, which is Honey Don't Leave L.A. Okay. Because that was the first song where I was like, this feels super mainstream. And then I okay. looked it up and was like, oh, he didn't, he didn't write, write it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a lot more yeah. sense why it also, doesn't feel like a James Taylor song. I don't want to forget, uh, at this time, he's with Carly Simon. Yes. So James. And the track and they that, wrote, sh- that yeah, she's on, yeah. Terra Nova. Yeah. So much cool vocal stuff yeah. going on with that. Like, And they wrote so it together awesome. and it was really yeah. interesting. That uh, doesn't end well for the record, for anyone who wants to know. Yes, they don't stay together. Well. Um. But really, really, I mean, great album. Real, obviously, was his best selling. Yes. The fact that not it was by a best- lot though. So many of these yeah, albums but went platinum. The platinum. fact that this so was many. his best selling album, and it contained none of his biggest hits, is mm-hmm. so interesting. I agree. Typically, when we do the podcast, the best selling album contains the biggest hit, right? Or at least one of the second or third mm-hmm. biggest hit. This isn't even in top five. No. In terms of no. hits, I mean, but it doesn't still have. Great. It doesn't have fire and rain. You've got a friend. It doesn't yep. have any of them on it, and. When you think of James Taylor, you typically think of those songs. Absolutely, you do. Um, and then, so after this album... Well, let's see oh, if sorry, Tyler has yeah. anything to say. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. You guys <laughs> I, remembered I'm I was so here. Sorry. I remember yeah, you were I here. sometimes remember. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much different than what you guys have to say. Um, but I will That's say, I, I really did enjoy it. I, obviously, I didn't have any of the same issues as far as mixing goes right. with this album. Um, really good. Uh, only thing I say was a was was kind of a disappointment is from his first album. I was expecting a real like um cool sixties esque kind of moving forward, like sixties rockish thing moving forward. And I think by the time he hits his JT album, it becomes more or less easy listening. Okay. Uh, which is not sure. which is not bad. It's no, not like a no, bad genre of music. It just wasn't exactly the direction. But like it's it's not you know he doesn't immediately go from like sixties rock and roll to like Frank Sinatra style. Yeah. But like this is this is just like it it but and it also gets more of like a country vibe by the time we get mm, to this bit. album. And yeah, there's some of that. And yeah, you just I and what I'll say to complement this album is it feels like. This is more of him getting his his particular voice and his particular musical style in there, whereas the first one was kind of just trying to make an impact doing what some other people were doing and trying okay. his hand at that, whereas mm-hmm. this one felt a little bit more like he's like, oh, all right, people know me. Yeah. I've established right. myself. Let me do what I think would would sound okay. good, which I think is cool. So I, know I would like to go first. I know you're dying to talk about American, American Standard. Standard. I just wanted to very quickly mention that, like I said, the albums in between the first two we listened to are great. Please listen to them. Yeah, eight straight albums after JT went platinum. Yeah, so like it's he's up there's, there. There's there's no huge. slouch. There's t- like, please don't limit yourself to the three albums that we did for this podcast. There's so much great stuff out there. That's the end of my little thing. That okay, I needed to say. so. I I want to talk about a tale of two albums for me. Okay. Uh for American Standard, which is his uh final album as of right now. Which just came out came this out year. This year, February, February of this year. Yeah. And really, really good. Uh so my first immediate reaction upon learning about this album was disappointment. Because I was so interested to hear what James Taylor was writing this many years later. Mm. Because a lot of the things that we found interesting on this podcast 
were the last album of like greats. Like when we listened yeah. to Elton John's last mm-hmm. album, I was blown away. I agree. Uh, so a lot, I was really upset when I was like, no, it's covers of standards. I was really disappointed uh, listening and to it. And then you heard them. <laughs> listening to it, I mean, it was really, really well done. It was, I mean, he's a great arranger of these songs. Great on the, you know, instruments. Great on the guitar. Uh, James Taylor is super underrated on guitar. He's an acoustic guitar master. He is like, absolutely he is fabulous. A veritable virtuoso of yeah, acoustic guitar so arrangements. I just, I mean, they were all really, really good. I really enjoyed listening to the album. It was a little tainted for me because I really wished it was originals. I wanted to hear what he was going for sound-wise in his original work mm. in 2020. It would have been so amazing. Uh, my specific notes were, uh, you know, almost like being in love. I really, really liked it. I really liked the laid-back vibe of that song. Uh, my heart stood still. That felt like a James Taylor original. That ha- That okay. was the one where I was like, that doesn't feel like a cover. That has his vibe. That has his kind of signature on it. And then um, Old Man River, I was like, interesting. Yeah. Uh, used to hearing a more traditional bass singer sing that mm-hmm. song, but he hit the notes. I And it sounded good, but I was very surprised when he went to the, the basement there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, there's so many more that he covers greatly. I can't. Yeah, talk about I all of them. Moon River, the James Taylor Moon River. Fabulous. I loved it. Oh Fabulous my God, cover. It's great. I really like the opening track too, My Blue Heaven. Yeah. That was before I even realized that this album was all going to be uh, standards because I didn't yeah. know that song. And then I heard Moon River and it was like, oh, I better look this up. My Blue Heaven was also great. Uh, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat from Guys and Dolls. Wow, what a cool yeah. arrangement for a solo acoustic guitar to, to pull jazzy. off that song. I love, super jazzy. Yeah. Huge fan of this album. I mean, I don't have anything more to say than what you already listen, said. Yeah, I'm a huge I fan loved of it as well. Every I, arrangement. Again, I just had that tainted disappointment of like, man, I yeah. wanted to hear more original and okay. like, talk about more original. Yeah, this made me. But think it this, was still fabulous. Yeah. Once this album was over, it occurred to me that like nine for nine, this is maybe my favorite episode we've done so far, just because I loved all the music from all three sure. of these bands uh like there wasn't so, uh, an insync to screw this episode <laughs> up for me <laughs> so tyler what are you thinking in terms of american standard um it definitely delivers what it's titled as <laughs> um uh, they, these i mean this one more so than the last one is yeah. like you said it it's no longer 60s rock it is you know standard vocal songs which are great i love standard vocal songs i love um singing them i love listening to them but it's definitely not where i would have foreseen him going by listening to album number one if if you told me listening to his first album the last one is is going to be like you know these these type of songs standards and musical tunes i'd be like that that's that's a weird direction to go. Yeah. Did he start doing musicals? Like, in, but um, that said, yeah, I mean, it's, to be fair, this is like a fifty-two year difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that so. said, that said, it is very good. Um, I I'm probably in the majority here, but listening to this album remind me reminded me an awful lot of John Barrowman's albums. Did you say you're in the majority here? I never heard of As that. As in, person. most people would think that. 
Yeah, because I don't know who that is. I Don't get me wrong. I know who John Barrowman is, and I am inclined to agree with you. I'm just... I believe you guys, no, but I still don't know who he is. So John Barrowman <laughs> is an actor on Doctor Who and, and oh. Torchwood and many other things besides. Uh, I think most recently he was in Arrow okay. on the CW. Interesting. I may have used the word... You meant minority. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. It was a really well thought out point. And I, for one, am really glad that Pat addressed my mistake, um, talked about it, discussed it at if length, I didn't and we lingered it on it. On Nobody the podcast, would. our yeah. millions of fans would have That's absolutely true. We would have had so gone much to town mail in the comments. Yeah, yeah, because our millions of letters and fan mail. I know. Yeah, and our and our fans <laughs> and our loyal fans know yeah. that I am always the voice of wisdom. Yeah, that's true. And the most educated person on here. Hundred percent. So it would have it would have <laughs> shook them to the core. Yeah. All right. Let's move All on right. to rating. <laughs> okay. We're so close to the end here. straight up cultural impact. Anyone who sold a hundred million albums has to yeah. be at least in the nines. Okay. Anyone who sold a hundred million albums has to be a nine. Okay. I think Let James me... Taylor bottoms out at a nine. I mean, I'd like to hear what you guys thought. I don't uh, have any opinions on his bottom, but uh, as far as uh, cultural impact goes, it's very—it's higher than it, I even yeah, realized. I mean, yeah. I've always known James Taylor. I've always known James Taylor songs. I did not realize that he was one of the highest-selling artists of all time. Like yeah, once you get there. into that hundred million club, it's hard for me to say that you've sold a hundred million records and deserve less than a nine. List. Okay. So, I mean. Do you guys have any well, arguments against him. that? I mean, he's no Yanni. They well, skip him on my list that I good. looked up of uh, top-selling artists of all time. Uh, but that would put him but in between five high. and six. So either five or, you know, in that 100 million range. Yeah. Of all time, in terms of record sales, that's amazing. And of artists who have and hit I mean, that list. that went above him. I think he's most oh, deserving yeah. of those of, of that oh, acclaim. Well, I mean, there's, there's a, a solid list of all these best-selling artists that we looked like there's the top echelon was garth second, brooks number two yeah i don't want to talk about no. it <laughs> i have a very very different list of of records in front of me but Good, anyway we'll, we'll discuss that later uh do you guys i'm fine object with a to a nine i'm fine with i, a think nine. A nine I don't think he's a nine point a nine. anything because okay. i think that again four or five of his songs have really hit yeah more should have hit but those more should have hit, hit but those are, yeah. um but uh, in terms of sheer album yep. sales and, mm-hmm. you know, length of albums, a 19-album career yeah. is way yep. more than average. Right. So that so. just brings us right to Breath of Work. 19 studio albums. Huge. We listened to three. I listened, listened to, to like four. five or six. I listened to Sweet Baby James Yeah, Sweet Baby well. James is fantastic. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I found one song in all of the albums that I listened to that I thought wasn't good and it's his cover sure. of day tripper and it's only because he does the yeah. last verse unnecessarily in falsetto um so the breath of work has got to be very high for a guy like I, james taylor i am in between an eight and a nine i think that's exactly where I'm it in belongs between an eight i and think nine. that's exactly where it belongs mm-hmm. i would agree yeah I, i'm gonna put an eight and a half then sure um, i'm fine with that and then instrumental talent this is another one james taylor has a beautiful singing voice which by the way we didn't mention in 2020 really he up. still really had it really he really really up. had it and we mentioned that he is like you don't necessarily think of a singer-songwriter type as being a great acoustic guitarist, but James Taylor is brilliant. He is a master of he, the acoustic he guitar. He really is a master of the acoustic uh, guitar. He's so much of a master on the this. acoustic guitar that I'm in the nines. I don't disagree with you. I'm in the nines I don't because I think, I don't think his singing is 
amazing. He's not Freddie Mercury, he's but a he's a really very good, good singer. I, I, to a point where I don't think it takes away any points. No. Once you get up into the nine range, anything less than stellar vocals typically Who's take Freddie away. Who's Freddie Mercury? Okay. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Um, uh, but <laughs> I, would I would put be... him right at, a, again, probably a nine. I That's what I already typed in. Yeah, probably and, um, a nine. Yeah. I think he's got to be a nine. I mean, now, song here's writing? where we get interesting. Uh, because I, I struggle with this one. Okay. I want to give him a really high score. My, my, I would also want to give him a really high score. My instinct is to give him like a super high score. I think I know what you're going to say. Some of it needs to be toned down, uh, just a bit, because he incorporates covers into every album. Yes, uh, exactly for that reason. Um, yeah, I think that he is a really good songwriter. I love his overall mm-hmm. vibe. I love that he takes songs and makes them sound simple while not being simple. Yeah. He also does a lot of like standards too, like American yeah. standard. If you listen to a lot of the other albums and you start to realize yeah. that he actually pulls a lot of these traditional songs yeah. out, usually one per album where he does a traditional, his version of Oh Susanna on Sweet Baby James yeah. is not like a kid song. It's really no. good. But like, seriously, um, I'm, I'm personally, I would be again thinking the nine range mm-hmm. and I'm, I would be dropping him to about an eight. For that? Okay. And um, I also think, again, going back to the first album, he loses points for me. Not for any of the overall song quality, just for the the jarring nature of having those intros and then those okay. really bluesy rock. I just wish they were separated because they would both be better, in my opinion. I hear it what just you're feels jarring because when I'm when I'm in the mood to listen to James Taylor's first album, I'm not thinking of the classical strings and horns and the openings. I'm thinking of the bluesy, like chill vibe that he comes out okay. with in his l- lyrical parts. Yeah, and I it almost feels like I have to get through them, and that's not fair because they're so good. So my counter to your argument, which I think it sure. makes sense, is the only reason I wouldn't take away a full point for all of these covers and traditional songs is that uh, I think that his arrangement, which is you know part of his songwriting talent, is very like he does his so, own arrangements of those pieces, which are very. Well I understand. Done. Let me put it to you this way. He needs to lose points either here or in poetic talent. Yeah, for the amount mm-hmm. of traditionals. Yeah, I, I will let you decide where. I would say you can. He can lose a little bit in each. In each, okay. But I That's don't fine. want. I don't want to take away with how original and interesting That's his fine. arrangements could be. And I'm so with you. Between instead of going from a nine down to an eight, let's go from nine to an eight and a half, and then let's talk again okay. about maybe losing a little points in poetic talent. Sure, sure, sure. Which to poetic start off lower. I'm sorry. To start off with. There are some really well-written yes. songs here, and sometimes even you can feel his life struggles. Like yes, James and don't get me wrong. Taylor, I'm, I notorious just heroin addict, like, had yes. a horrible time in the 70s. And, but to be completely fair, one of those artists where that's not the first thing you think of, whereas there's so many artists who struggled with addiction mm. throughout their whole lives, it's the first thing you think of. Yeah. You know, and with, with James Taylor, it's not. Like, he... He had that struggle. He really did. He really, mm-hmm. really did. It was very popular. Not popular, but very well, publicized. People I loved meant. it. I meant very publicized yeah. uh, back when he was younger. But it's not the first thing in people's mouth when okay. they talk about James Taylor in 2020. Which okay, is I get it. interesting. Well, he's been clean for like 40 years now. Which, so. But it's interesting because yeah. I even, I mean, talking about Elton John, I still think people talk about, and maybe it's because Rocket Man came out. I think that's what it but is. But I still think a lot of people talk about his drug and alcohol addiction. In 2020, okay. whereas 
James Taylor's kind of moved past it, which is good. Yeah, it is good. Uh, but I don't think his po- poems are ever bad. No, I just want to be clear. We're talking. I don't want to be talking about the eight to nine range. I want to be talking about the seven to eight range here. I'm not against that at all. Okay, good. I mean, just making sure. I think we're we're still at the point where we're talking. James Taylor is elite. He is going yeah. to be near the top of this list yeah. for a long time. I just, I um, mean, I would my per, my first instinct when I was grading him on this was a seven point two. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total 2. sense. Above average in the good range. Um, I, I but. I am so much more impressed with his instrumentation than his poem. Okay. I think his poems are honest, but not flashy. Or not profound, necessarily. Uh, Secret of Life is an exception. I felt like that was really profound, lyrically. Mm. I think it was so simple and so honest, but really yeah. well done. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, why don't you give us your... Uh, is, that, is that it, right? Is that the last thing we had? Yeah, that was it. Unless you Give us to... your final opinion on James Taylor. I know we kind of were cutting you off a little bit. I James that way. Taylor. Yeah, we get too talky. James Taylor, as as a musician, as an artist, I would say, is good. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's very well, good. Uh, Nick, why don't you read out our final scores then? All right, fantastic. So this spring, it's actually, I'm a little disappointed in the scores at the end of the day because yeah. of how much I loved pretty much all, eight out of nine albums I loved. Um Real Big Fish comes in last with a 22.9, really hindered by poems and cultural impact because they killed it yeah. everywhere else. Uh, Free comes in just a little bit above them at a 23.2. Another panel I thought was really good. I'm sad about these scores. Uh, and then James Taylor is the big winner with a 42.2. Yeah. I mean, no one's surprised there. No, I don't think. not at all. Although, And, and to be know. fair to the other artists, a lot of it really just has to do with, you know... If you don't impact the cultural zeitgeist, yep. that takes away points. I yep. mean, very similar to all the way back in our first episode with Greta Van Fleet, uh, which uh, was our second episode. It's been right. So long. Yeah. But that's really what but, it was for these other two artists, because I really think that yeah, talent-wise, I mean, they they're impact. very good. They were yeah. very good talent-wise. They just didn't yeah. impact. Like, if you're going to listen straight through to all nine albums or more than just the nine albums for any episode, yeah. like, I highly recommend digging into yeah, all and three I mean, of these listen, artists. We're going to be publishing all of the breakdowns so you can see, because, like, at some point. Yeah, at some point. Once we get more wrapped up. Because, I mean, they, they're very close to, like, NSYNC. We had NSYNC all the way back in episode one at an 18.1. they're so much better than NSYNC. But if you look at it, it's because NSYNC covers that distance because they were so it's impactful It's all culturally. cultural, right. And the rest of their stuff is weak. Um, so. Anyway, I'm going to stop you there. And I'm just yeah. going to let everybody know that you should please come back for next week's episode because we're going to be covering the Lord of Guitar, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Double Trouble yeah. in next week's episode. So Absolutely. Super excited. No. <laughs> uh, give me one second. I just want to remind everybody to check us out online. Yes, do that. Uh, you can check us out on lowtotemband.com. There's a Totem Talks episode. Merch. Also, check out some of our, our work, uh, mm-hmm. our, our musical work, the two of us. Yeah. Merch. Plug the merch. Uh, we don't have merch. Well, no plug not it. that's been officially released <laughs> like, until don't have our upcoming any. album is released. We don't have any official There will merch be some right very now. soon. Uh, if you're interested in Totem Talks merch or just low Totem merch, reach out to us. Let us know that's something you're interested in. We can make that happen. Sorry, as the, as the zoologist, <laughs> I, I was not aware of where we stood on merch yet. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Just, yeah, please check us out. Check us out online. Check us out on uh, Facebook.com slash Low Totem Band. Our Instagram is low oh, underscore totem. And uh, if you like the episodes, please comment and review them and use the hashtag Totem Talks to talk about them. 
Like we're really trying to generate some some appeal here. Yep. Uh, if you don't like something, reach out to us, either DM us or let us know Please something do. we could do better. Yeah. We're really interested in learning about that stuff. Absolutely. We have gotten some feedback from you and, you know, we're implementing yeah, it. Yeah, and so. we're really working on adding some of those ideas that you guys have talked about. You'll see by episode 10, there's a, like a specific request that we're going to follow yeah, through on. So absolutely. Uh, so I think that's going to wrap us up. I agree. Uh, without further ado, good night or good morning or and good, good whatever. <laughs> yeah, good night and good luck. Uh, but yeah, basically have a great day. Adios. Nice.